Hello and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenants podcast. This is for the week of April 19th, 2020. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths and I'd like to say thank you very much for joining us this morning. I have a couple announcements for us. One of them is we are Easter people. This is still Easter season. So I I say, Christ is risen. You respond, He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Another announcement is that this morning we get the privilege and the honor of hearing from my predecessor, uh, a co-officiant in my wife and I's wedding 19 years ago, Reverend Tim McCalman will be sharing with us this morning from God's Word. Let us be called to worship from the words of Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Oh God, we come together via this different kind of media, but we're together as the body of Christ today to give you worship. Lord, be with us, stir among us, and lead us in your way. Receive our worship, we pray this day, in Jesus' name. And all God's people together said, Amen.
Good morning, and thank you again for tuning in and listening to today's children's message. I hope you guys all had a wonderful Easter, and for some of you, enjoyed that little surprise Easter egg hunt. Um, Today, we're going to talk about um, the Sunday after Easter. And I don't know if you guys have seen the book, Believe It or Not, or Ripley's Believe It or Not. And inside it has, you know, some strange and amazing bits of information that may not seem believable, but yet true. Like how a man by the name of James Cook once had a chicken that laid a perfectly square egg. Or Joanne Barnes, she was 15 years old from California, and she once swung a lot of hula hoops on her body at the same time. I mean, how many do you think you could swing? Well, she swung about 68, and believe it or not, even kept one hula hoop going while doing all of that. Um, I, I would have to see it to believe it, wouldn't you? So the book is filled with so many things that are very hard to believe, but if you saw it, then you'd believe it. And if it's true, it's true whether you believe it or not. So in today's Bible lesson, we learn that on the Sunday that Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to a group of his disciples. One of the disciples, whose name was Thomas, was not with him. He, When the disciples told Thomas that they had seen Jesus and that he was alive, Thomas said, I won't believe it until I see it with my own eyes. I want to put my my finger in the nail prints in his hands and place my hand where the spear was thrust into his side. A week later, Thomas saw Jesus and Jesus invited Thomas to touch his hand where the nails had been. He told Thomas to put his hand in the wound in his side. And then Thomas believed and Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. A lot of people today won't believe that Jesus really rose from the grave because they haven't seen him with their own two eyes. But do you know what? It is true whether they believe it or not. You and I have never seen Jesus, but we believe. We accept him by faith. We don't have to see it to believe it. Dear Jesus, Thank you that you help us accept by faith that you have risen from the grave and that you are alive. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ himself bore our sins on the cross so that free from sin we might live for righteousness. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sin. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your way like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. O Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Forgive those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name.
Amen. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. You 
The scripture readings for this morning are taken from both Old and New Testament. The first is from the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. Ezekiel brings the word of God and he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The second reading for us this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, 
on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to begin this morning by thanking Jason, my new friend, actually old friend from many years ago, uh, for inviting me to share with you in this way. Uh, It's really an unexpected media that I use, but I really feel a link with you wherever you are this morning. I hope you're all well. Our family is all fine, a bit stir-crazy, I have to admit. We're missing extended family and especially our grandkids. And I have to tell you, I have vigorously washed my hands so many times. The other day I uncovered the cheat notes from my 8th grade biology final exam. And uh, my hands are clean, even of those notes. Ruth and I are healthy and well and are doing things all together, all the time. And amazingly, we have found that we still really like each other. Yes, these are strange days. This virus overwhelming our country, even the world, and even South Coast Plaza, just blocks from our door. Uh, It's a virtual ghost town as we take our walks each day through that area. We've seen nothing quite like this, at least in my lifetime, and at times... I'm sure with you, we all wonder if we'll ever see normal times again. What has happened here? And on a real spiritual level, where has God been in the midst of this pandemic? What on earth is God doing? When these kinds of things happen, I'm drawn to the promises of God of which there are several thousand in the scriptures. And there we find God has made promises to us, all part of the covenant he has made with his people. And even today we find many which are constantly being fulfilled. You know, I believe that if we call attention to these promises and we pray through them and we pray them over the crises of our time, we will see the faithfulness of God at work. And it helps us to find our way through this current storm, to see the hand of God in the work of the Holy Spirit and through the body of Christ. The setting of Ezekiel, the prophet, and Isaiah's life at the time, we see the Hebrew people in exile in Babylon. Ezekiel living with his wife there happily in this faraway place. When out of the blue comes the unexpected death of his wife. And this event for Ezekiel came like a warning to Israel. Ezekiel brings these messages from God in this foreign place, away from home, far away from home. Many scholars have concluded that the scriptures show us God used this exile as a testing period for God's people. And through Ezekiel's preaching, 
he asks if God's presence was limited to Palestine. Was God impotent against the gods of Babylon? Could Yahweh be worshipped in a strange land? Ezekiel speaks God's word into this new and unusually chaotic situation. And after laying out all that will come over Israel and the fall of Jerusalem in the first 30 plus chapters, news that was devastating to any Hebrew living in the country, Ezekiel then speaks of what God will do through those circumstances. And they see that the purpose of God will overwhelm their dire situation. And frankly, friends, I see hope in these texts. Hope to which the exiled people clung, and hope to which we can cling in these troubled times. As the days wore on, God taught his people in Babylon, and eventually the promise came to be fulfilled for his people. We can read through those chapters in minutes or even an hour or so. And these few minutes cover years in this crisis of dislocation and feelings of abandonment for Israel. Ezekiel must have been wondering, what in the world is God up to? That must have been a question God's people have asked over the years. Have you had those thoughts in these days? Or perhaps you've even wondered if God even cares or, or if God is even paying attention. I believe God is doing something new in the midst of this pandemic. God is the creator who goes on creating, especially out of such chaos. That's been true from Genesis 1 forward. And so I would call on you to join me and lean into this new thing God is doing. Spend some time in scripture, prayer and reflection, especially on these two texts as we have a few moments together today. For I see here both writers inviting us in our time to first of all consider the new vantage point we see life from. Ezekiel is speaking from his painful place, his strange land, his foreign living, in grief through the passing of his wife, far away from home. Through Ezekiel, God speaks I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, he says. Paul, hundreds of years later, he has come through harrowing times as well and is in a challenging new situation. And he has this in mind as he writes to the Corinthians. So from now on, he says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In this moment of time, God is calling us to a new way of seeing things, of seeing life and ourselves, our relationships, and even of seeing God himself.
Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying here that God brought about this spread of infection. But as God is constantly doing, he uses the mix of these tragic set of events to make his cherished people stronger and more involved. God starts by changing something within us. For now we see things from a different perspective. The old way we now move away from. But frankly, that's really hard to make that shift, isn't it? But realize here that God is doing this new thing in each of us from this new perspective. He had shown Paul from his old view that there was another perspective to consider. Paul didn't learn that overnight. He was always in the process, in the flux of discovery. It began as turmoil in his own heart and in a dramatic encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. And after that, he spent several days blind, in the dark, And God was opening for him new perspectives, revealing new possibilities and new hopes. God has done this repeatedly, as we can see throughout the scriptures. Some disaster comes over his people, and God helps them lean into new sets of circumstances. And he uses these circumstances to craft his people into people who are more inspired, more capable to live faithful lives. And in so doing, he turns tragedy into triumph. We see that in the story of Joseph and his brothers as his brothers try and trap Joseph and they sell him into slavery in Egypt. And remarkably, God changes the circumstances, but he changes Joseph, and then he changes his brothers. And he brings about a redemptive story of assistance and relief and salvation for Joseph and his family. Even in the gospel story that we just celebrated a week ago, at great cost to himself, God brings about salvation for all humankind. You know, as I've thought about sharing with you this day, I've thought about the years we spent together and how many of you I've spoken with and I've walked with you through difficult circumstances that came upon you and how God used them to build your life and to strengthen your faith. And that's made me think of a special metaphor that I've used often in my preaching, you know how much our family loves Yosemite. And many times you, as well as we, have been to Yosemite Valley and we've gazed looking up to Glacier Point and Half Dome and in awe of those great peaks and waterfalls and jagged rockscapes that seem to touch the heavens. You're lost in a bliss of paradise And then you're faced with your children who say, Oh, Dad, let's climb up to those peaks, to the top of those waterfalls. And you say, Oh, no way, I can't do that. 
Nonetheless, the next morning you rise and you set out on the trail. And as you ascend those peaks, your bones and your joints begin to cry out in great wailing and gnashing of teeth. But then you begin to notice as the sun vaults into the morning sky and you take note as to how far you've come. And you continue on up the trail and you face the challenge of each hour. But as the trail turns the corner, you see Glacier Point ahead. And with one more push, you arrive and you see the sweeping view of the valley below from which you've come. And then you remember and you think, I am so glad I took this journey. I'm stronger in so many ways. Those kinds of growth experiences have come to you and to us all when we see from a new perspective. And I believe in the midst of this emergency that has taken us to a new place And God is inviting us to then remember our new identity. Ezekiel talks about God replacing a heart of stone with a new heart and a new spirit. Paul talks about remembering if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, a new person. In Christ We are given a new identity. If we repent, turn, and trust Jesus, our Savior and Lord, we are brand new, inside out. It doesn't matter where we've come from, what baggage we bring, our past religious experiences. If we trust Jesus, it's a new day for us. The events we've just celebrated a week ago confirm that we are God's children, a singularly unique, beloved child of God, each of us, and each of us together with God and a reconciled people as never before. That's what the church is, a sign of what God has made to happen, a new creation. Many of us are familiar with the writings of Anne Lamott. Anne is a novelist and essayist who lives in San Francisco. Her journey of faith was most difficult. She struggled with alcoholism and drug addiction, and she lived for years right on the edge. She found her way to faith in the middle of all that through the influence of a little small community church comprised of mostly poor and marginal people. Anne wanted her son, who was living with her, to grow up in this loving environment of her new church family. And so, like many parents do, she brought him along with her to worship one day. Her reason was simple. And it says a great deal about the sense of community that most people seem to miss. Anne wrote about it in this way. The main reason is that I wanted to give him what I found in the world, which is to say a path and a little light to see by. 
Most of the people I know have what I want, which is to say purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, and joy. They are people with a deep sense of spirituality, people in community who pray or practice their faith. They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle. They are part of something beautiful. You see, Anne had been drawn to a community of believers. She had been made new, reconciled, and she was now helping her community by helping to build a bridge to her son. Through that little church, God led her to see beyond her own needs and interests. That church built a bridge of reconciliation to Anne and her son. These were people who prayed for their community, who greeted her at the door and took time to listen and pray with her. They were those who offered kind words of support, kind and compassionate people who connected then with her son. Together, each one with another, they were the church, the reconciled ones, the bridge builders, who shared in the ministry of reconciliation. Being reconciled means that our togetherness with God shows up in the way I live my life. In my togetherness with God, I can be together with you in a new way. Even when we have differences, God brings us together in underlying, caring relationships. So from a different viewpoint and with a new identity, finally, we can begin to move into our new vocation. We are Christ's ambassadors, Paul says, as if he is making his appeal through us. Paul writes in the present tense, we are. In this time of historic pandemic, those entrusted by God as God's ambassadors, those called upon to build bridges in a time of isolation. We live with restrictions, I realize, and we want to honor the social distancing, the shelter-in-place advisements, and all of that. As painful as they may seem to be, it all seems to be bringing a change in flattening the curve or bringing down the sweeping range of this pandemic. But there still are creative ways we can accomplish living and being the gospel and bringing the good news of God in such a time as this. God is speaking to the world through us. The gospel of Christ hit the city of Corinth as a surprise. When Paul and his companions first arrived in Corinth, they brought something unlike anything these Corinthians had ever seen or heard. But as they sought to apply their new faith, they faced numerous challenges. But soon after, they turned away from God. They neglected to seek out the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, really, that they are now just playing church, constantly being drawn back 
into the old ways of the pagan world. Yet God continued to do his new thing. Paul reminds them, the old world has gone, the new has come. You see, no one the same. We are all God's children, reconciled to God, equipped and sent as ambassadors. An ambassador goes to a different land and represents her country there. She carries her country's policies and values as she works with this other group of people. And when she speaks, all the while she finds herself in a foreign land, but she speaks on behalf of the country who sent her. People should look at any U.S. ambassador and be able to assume this is how an American is. Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. And he is speaking to the world through us. I see this going on now in the midst of this crisis as PCC and other Costa Mesa churches team together through the network of the Trellis Organization helping each other, assisting the city to serve the most needy in our community with food deliveries, personal contact, and assistance of many kinds. I remember the story of Joanna and Divey Bethune, members of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. They both decided to start teaching Sunday school at their local church, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian. They said, why would we only be teaching Sunday school here in the church? What about children who don't come to church? So Joanna went to the streets of New York City and started to teach Sunday school to poor children there on the streets. And out of that, she got others from other churches to join with her. And in 1816, the Sunday school union was formed. And when you read the history of the church in America, you'll find her listed as the mother of the American Sunday School. And then she and her mother, Isabella Graham, went on to even begin one of the first orphanages in New York City. This is the church, discovering together the call of God, Christ's ambassadors. My friend, In conclusion, in this time of pandemic, what in the world is God up to? Be advised, God is always doing something new, even in the shadows of this moment. Through Ezekiel and the Apostle Paul, we can see from new perspective, God has promised his people new hearts, a new spirit, along with a new identity just for this troubled time. And God is sending us as his ambassadors into the world to carry God's righteousness and his salvation and justice to people all around us. May it be that not only can this show us what God in the world is doing, but may it be a time when people can see the true God for who he is, because this is what we his church, are up to. Pray with me. Lord, in this time of pandemic, let us stand on the promises of God 
and be the new people, the Easter people, that live with an unrestrained hope even in darkness. And let us shine our lights where we are, with our families, with our friends, in our communities, in our church. Thank you for my dear friends, and let us move forward together as the people of God. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people together said, Amen. As we continue in worship, I'd like to bring word to you all that this week, as of April 9th, Wednesday of this past week, we had a offering of $12,000, which included $4,000 from our tenant, I Lead. So praise God for all the work that the Buildings and Grounds Committee and the Capital Campaign, and praise God for faithful tenants. Our God truly is good to us. Amen? Now, this morning's offerings and tithes are now received. If you would like to mail in your tithe and offering, please do so to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. Sacrifice so hard to see. 
Why do we pray? God is sovereign. He has a plan. What use could our prayers possibly be? We pray because God commands us to in Scripture. In John 15, 7, it is written, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It is on that promise that we lift our prayers to our Sovereign Lord. Heavenly Father, we do abide in you. May you abide in each one of us. We pray for a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit. We begin today with gratitude. Thank you for keeping us safe from the harm of the coronavirus. Thank you that you are providing for our needs. Thank you for this Sabbath rest from our busy lives. Even as we pray for our blessings, we know that there are many who need your holy presence. We pray for those who are sick from COVID-19. Heal their bodies. Bring them back to full health. 
we pray for the doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers, that you would protect them from this virus and give them the strength they need to persevere. We pray for the first responders, keep them safe, and strengthen them with your Holy Spirit. We pray for all essential workers, for grocery clerks, for postal carriers, for warehouse workers, delivery drivers, and all those who are potentially putting themselves in harm's way so that our daily needs can be met. Protect and bless each one. We pray for teachers who are valiantly continuing to impart knowledge through distance learning. May their efforts be effective. We pray for students grappling with this new method of schooling. May you focus their minds to learn. We pray for pastors, chaplains, and clergy that are struggling struggling apart from the physical presence of their flocks. Touch them with your mighty presence and calm their spirits, for this too shall pass. We pray for those whose lives haven't changed much, for they are still needed at work. Give them your peace that transcends all understanding and the momentum to continue on. We pray for our local, state, and federal leaders as they continue to navigate this unprecedented time. Give them wisdom and insight to know how to reopen our cities and our economy. We pray the same for world leaders. May this global pandemic unite the world as we are all faced with similar challenges. May we unite together to crush this virus from ever disrupting again in the powerful name of Jesus. Continue to remind us that no matter how big our troubles appear, you are in control. Let that be our mantra today and always. God is in control. And we pray these prayers in Jesus' powerful name. May it be so. We continue to pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now, may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and upon all those whom you hold dear, here and everywhere, this day and forevermore. Amen.